If you will, if you have your Bibles, open them up to Luke chapter 14. That's kind of going to be our chapter for today. Uh, I've been preaching out of Matthew a lot, and I, I believe um, Ben preached out of Matthew. And uh, I don't know if Danielle did or not, but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna learn from a different uh, person today. We're gonna learn from Luke, um, and a lot of these parables kind of overlap and it's interesting to read a parable the same parable in different gospels because it tells you more of the story Um, and I'm going to kind of explain that at the end but Luke chapter 14 verse 7 through 24 is where we're going to be at Luke chapter 14 verse 7 through 24 if you don't have a bible like if you don't have a physical bible we have um, some in the back and so we'd love to give you one if you want one and it's yours to keep forever and ever Um, just make sure to write in the front cover Pastor Brett is super dope, and then, and then you could keep it forever. So, but so obviously it's unconditional. So, um, just kidding. Luke chapter fourteen, seven through four, seven through twenty-four. If you have it on your phone, if you got the Bible off your phone, that's cool. Let's do that. I just ask that you don't be scrolling Instagram or Facebook or DMing any honeys because it's not worth it right now. Because um, God loves you more than all those girls that are ghosting you, okay, so, uh, just saying, just saying, um, they leave you on red, you know, but I was going to try and do a pun about red letter Bible, but I, I, you know, I, did, I decided not to go there. I'm becoming like the tick, that pastor that everyone's making fun of on TikTok that's like saying the like relevant stuff but super lame. That's me. So uh, anyways, verse 7. Are we ready? So this is kind of an interesting time here. Right before this, Jesus um, heals on the Sabbath. And actually in, in uh, Matthew, before... Uh, the last parable in this set, before that one is spoken, it actually says that Jesus cleansed the temple, which is a really nice way to say that he, he uh, laid the boom on some folks. He went in there, flipped some tables, uh, whipped some folks, and said, you're turning uh, my father's house into a den of thieves. So, somewhere in this kind of, uh, it's towards the end of the books, and so at least what we know is that there's some turmoil uh, it's very divided at this point. At the beginning of the Gospels, everyone's intrigued by Jesus. Jesus is a cool guy. He's, he's preaching. He's, um, he's doing miracles. And so everyone's a little bit interested. Some folks love him. Some folks are just wondering what he's all about. But at this point in the story, at this point in the Gospels, uh, Jesus is either loved or hated. And there's not really an in-between. They either think he's the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who's, who who is uh, prophesied about um, in in Hebrew in the Hebrew Bible, uh, or they think that he's basically the devil himself and the false prophet prophet, and they want to crucify him. So Jesus, you see, as the par- as as we go on, the parables get more and more provocative. Not provocative as you know the term in terms where it's like sexually provocative. What I mean is it's provocative in the way that it provokes emotion. It, it's, it's, it's a way for Jesus to egg on a little bit the, the Pharisees and then at the same time encourage the followers. That, hey, like you're, the parables will say, hey, you're in, and it'll tell the Pharisees, hey, you're out. <laughs> um, which is frustrating. Okay, so verse 7. 
Right before this, Jesus heals on the Sabbath, which is another no-no. So they're already upset. And he began speaking a parable to the invited guests when he noticed how they had been picking out the places of honor at the table. So the reason I'm not putting this on the screen is because Jesus would have said this like a story. He would have just told you like how I'm telling you right now. So I don't want you to get distracted by trying to catch up and read words. Write down the verses and you can read them yourself. But I want this to be kind of a storytelling, okay? So Jesus is going to tell this parable because where he's at, people are, try- are fighting for the places of honor at the table. Um, so, um, like for us, I think the closest thing is like, you know, you ever had like, uh, anybody's like dad sits at the head of the table when you guys eat dinner, anything like that. It's like, you know, it's kind of this formal thing or like when you eat with family, like the oldest, like your grandpa or whatever sits at the head of the table. Um, and that, that's, this is kind of what that is. It's like, who's the best and who gets to sit next to Jesus or who gets to sit in these certain locations, all right? And so Jesus, understanding what's going on in this moment, says this. He says, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For someone more distinguished than you may have been invited by him, And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this man. And then in disgrace, you proceed to occupy the last place. So let me translate a little bit. Jesus is saying like, hey, if you roll up to a wedding, anybody ever been to a wedding in the last couple of years? Okay, so you know how they have like the, the bride and groom's table and the wedding party's table? It's like this long table, right? And then like the families are really close. Their, their families are close and then everybody who like, progressively gets less important is like towards the back so this would be like you rolling up to somebody's wedding that you kind of know but not really and then you just go sit like right where their mom's supposed to sit or like even when the when the wedding is going like the ceremony you go just invite yourself to sit in the front row right and you're like oh this is great they're like whose side are you on you're like I don't really know but I'm here so what's good or Worse, let's say you go to a wedding. I dare you to do this, actually. Don't, but I do. Uh, the, next, <laughs> the next wedding you go to, the big long table that has the, bri- the bride and the groom and the bridal party, just go sit at that table, like right next to the bride. Just go sit down and just be like, what's good? Uh, and just start eating. Just have fun. And uh, just kidding, you're going to get kicked out. But what's going to happen is someone's going to come up to you and say, hey, sorry, your seat is over there. <laughs> right? All the way in the back. So this is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, hey, when you roll up to the wedding, don't go sit at the place of honor because chances are you're going to get moved to the back. Right? And and he basically says you're going to have to do the walk of shame all the way to your actual seat. In verse 10 he says this, but when you are invited, go and recline at the last place so that when the one who has invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will have honor in the sight of all who are at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So this is an interesting story because it actually informs that last sentence. We see it a lot. The first will be last. Anybody ever heard that? And the last shall be first. Whenever I read that, 
as a kid, I always thought, like, Jesus was just, like, playing a trick on everybody. Like, everyone who thought they were cool, you're a loser. And everyone who thought they were a loser, you're cool. Like, but it's actually not that. It's in a response to our hearts. It's a response to, to, to how important we think we are. So if we roll up to, to, to God thinking that we deserve his love, if we roll up to God thinking that, we, uh, that, that we've earned our way to heaven, if we roll up to God thinking that we're all that in a bag of chips, he has no place left to exalt us. So all he has room to do is bring us down, back to reality. But when we come to Jesus in a humble space, where we're saying like, hey, I'm just grateful to be here in your presence. You're everything. He says, well, come sit with me then. Because there's a lot, of, there's a lot more room, right? Let's say someone, <laughs> someone rolls up to youth and wants to try out for the worship team. And, which a lot of you have, and it's been great. But what if this person rolls up to me and, and is like, hey, uh, Brett, don't worry about like an audition. Like, I'm really good, probably better than you. Um, and I got this. Um, I was supposed to be on The Voice, but um, I actually turned it down because um, I'm just really not about that. But um, I'm a really good singer, and so just go ahead and hand me the mic. Actually, nobody else has to be scheduled this week. Just let me do it, right? If someone came up to me and did that, one, my flesh would be like, get out. But, but also they've given me no room to praise them. They've given me no room to build them up. Because every piece of advice I give them from that point is lower than their expectation. Even though I might be saying something that's higher than their ability, it, if it's lower than their expectation, it seems like a, a, an insult. But if they roll in, hey, Brett, like, I'm just excited for the opportunity. Thank you. Uh, everyone who's on the team is really awesome. I just love to be a part. And then they sing, and they're, like, super good. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh, you are amazing. Like, hey, let's throw you on next week. Like, then they're like, oh, my goodness, like, Brett's really cool. <laughs> you know, like, he's really nice, you know. And then the other person's like, Brett's such a jerk, you know. Uh, but it's all about how you present yourself. This is interesting in life. You walk into a job thinking you're all that in a bag of chips, and all of a sudden, like, you don't like management. Like, oh, I just don't vibe with the manager. Because you're not giving them any space to give you honest correction. But if you roll into a place humble, you're like, man, this manager's awesome. They build me up, and they, uh, they really give me opportunities uh, because knowing, for, like, being a, a pastor and a person who leads teams, the person who is humble, I'm way more likely to give them more opportunities because I know that they're not going to get a big head because of it. Does that make sense? So the number one thing that I see from this one is humility. So if you're taking notes, write that down. Like, let's be humble. Let's be a humble people. Be humble so that you can be lifted up, so that you can be encouraged. So maybe ask yourself this question, why am I so discouraged all the time? Maybe because you're coming at everybody up here. And everybody only has one option, is to bring you back down to earth. And so you're just discouraged all the time. Why, Why am I so discouraged? Because you gas yourself up and don't let anybody else do it. <laughs> right? I'm super good at this. I'm super good at this. I'm really great at this. And then you're maybe good at one of those things. Everyone's like, ugh. Well, does that make sense? 
Whereas if you're if you come in with humility, everyone's like, dude, you're really great at this. It was like the it was like I think it was camp last year. This whole group of 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 girls like swarmed me and Danielle. I was like overwhelmed. Oh my gosh. And they're like, Michaela has to be on the worship team, right? And I was like, what? And they're like, she is so good. And I was like, oh, my gosh, okay, right? But that's because Michaela's humble, right? And she came, she didn't go to her friends like, I'm super good. Like, I'm the best there ever was. And so you guys should literally all go tell Brett that I'm the next American Idol, right? That's not how it went. It was uh, from a place of humility. Unless that's actually how it went. You know what I mean? I'm just kidding. Um, so ask that question, right? If, I'm just, if all my friends are discouraging me, maybe I'm not seeing myself. Maybe I'm not seeing myself. Maybe I'm not being honest with myself. Right? None of us have arrived. We're all on the journey. It's the climb. You know? Didn't I quote that song in a, in a message one time? Okay. Um, maybe you've put yourself on a mantle so high that nobody can even reach it. And you're like, I feel so alone. It's like Vince when he's trying to get something, like on the coffee table. He's trying to reach for something, and I just like push it a little bit out of reach. That's how some of us are sometimes. So then Jesus follows this up. He tells this to everybody who's arguing about where they can sit. And he's like, hey, maybe choose the seat in the back so that I can invite some of you to the front. And everyone's like, awkward. And he also went on to say, to the one who had invited him. So this is crazy. Jesus calls out all the guests. And Jesus calls out the dude who invited him to this dinner. <laughs> Jesus is on one. He says, hey, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors. Otherwise, they may also invite you in return, and that will be your payment. What he's saying there is don't just invite people who have a lot in expectation that they're going to invite you to their party. Don't invite the popular kid from school just because you're hoping to get invited to their birthday party. Like, if they're not actually your friend, don't invite them to your party. What's up? All the haters, out, let's go. I'm just kidding. Real friends only. Uh, But so Jesus is saying this. Don't invite people just because of their status, because you're trying to get something out of it. This is something that I I talk about with a lot of youth pastors. Um, A lot of youth pastors will, they have this bad habit of inviting famous youth pastors to their youth group to preach in hopes that the other youth pastor will invite them and they'll gain more influence. That's why I don't invite a ton of people to come preach. I will more as as we go along. But... I don't because I don't want everyone. I don't want to get that in my heart where I'm inviting someone so that I might get invited to go preach at their youth group. I I don't really care. I just care about you guys. You know what I mean? So Jesus says this, and he says, "But when you give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed, since they do not have the means to pay you back." For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So the thing that we learn from this is what are your intentions? Why do you do what you do? Are you doing what you do to get something from somebody else? Or you do what you do because you care? Do I, 
help Danielle when I get home. Like, I, I'll work a full day at work, and I've been trying to do better where, like, I, I won't gas myself at work so when I get home I can actually help around the house. But do I do that to get something out of Danielle? Do I do that to, like, so she can be like, all right, go hang out with the boys? Like, no. Like, even though that would be sick. But, no, I'm just kidding. The reason I do it, though, the reason I do it is because I love Danielle. And so I'm doing what I'm doing not to get anything back but just to show love. Like, because after a while I start to realize, hey, I'm not loving you how I should. I'm loving you conditionally. Like, if, as long as I get something out of this, sure, yeah, I'll do it. But I need to love unconditionally. Hey, I'm going to do this even, even if you don't acknowledge it, even though that might be hard. Right? Serve to serve. Love to love. Honor to honor. Do what you're doing, right? Join the worship team because God gave you a gift and you want to steward it well and give it back to him. Don't join the worship team in hopes that you're going to be famous because odds are you're not going to be. Not to like crush your dreams. <laughs> Maybe God has called some of you to, do, to, to be that. That's, that's great. But if that's the only reason you're on the stage, you're not doing it for the right reasons. Right? If the only reason I was preaching here in front of you was to post some video on my Instagram and hope that it blows up and, and, and people invite me to speak at Arizona's youth convention, like, then I'm doing it for the wrong reasons, right? The reason I'm up here preaching is because I believe this is good for you. And I believe God's asked me to do it. Does that make sense? What are, what are your intentions? And this is with anything. What are your intentions for that job? What are your intentions... Uh, why do you even do your homework? Do you do your homework just because they ask you to, or are you doing your homework because two things, you're going to learn something and because you're going to be faithful in it and, and God loves that. Right? I learned something that I, I'm going to get good grades in school. I'm back in college right now. Hey, let's go. I'm going to get good grades because, um, not because I have to, not because anybody's asked me to. No, I don't have parents anymore that are begging me to get good grades. I'm getting good grades right now because if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it to my very best because that's what God called me to do. Right? So what are your intentions? What are your intentions with that girl? What are your intentions with that guy? What are your intentions? Right? I'm, I could preach a whole message on that, but I'm going to move on. <laughs> intentions. So then, verse 15 says, When one of those who were reclining at the table with him heard this, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But then he said to him, Jesus ain't done. Jesus is like, but, hold on. He says, a man was giving a big dinner. And he invited many. And at the dinner hour, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is ready now. Um, slave is not how we, would inter how we would understand it today. It's more like a servant, someone who's um, maybe even paying off a debt. Um, there was aspects of slavery for sure back then, but it's not necessarily what we are thinking of when we hear that word. Just for clarification. So he says, come for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. So the person who's throwing this big dinner party is now telling everybody, all right, come on down. The food's ready. And the people who were invited are starting to make excuses. 
The first one said to him, I've bought a piece of land and I need to go and look at it. <laughs> Would you just look at it? Um, some of you understand that. Some of you don't. It's okay. Please consider me excused. That's polite. Another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have married a wife. Well, that's good. And for that reason, I cannot come. And the slave came back and reported to this to his master. Then the head of the household became angry and said to his slave, Go out at once to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the slave said, Master, what you commanded has been done. And still there's more room. And the master said to the slave, Go out into the highways and along the hedges and compel, and compel them. This is interesting. We don't want to skip over that. Go out to the highways and to the hedges. He's saying go to the outcast. Go to the people who have been kicked out of the city. Go to the people who don't belong. And compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my dinner. Now this is heavy. <laughs> There's a couple meanings here. So to recap, this dude throws this party, this big dinner party, right? And the people he's invited, the, the, the friends, the people that love, the family members, everyone who's like the chosen people to come to this party, all make excuses and don't make the person who throws the party feel important at all. They don't appreciate the person who threw the party. So they say, hey, you know, I got other stuff to do, uh, but I appreciate the invite. And so the, the, this person gets upset and he goes, you know what, fine. Just go to the streets and, uh, and bring the poor, bring the lame, bring the hurting. Everybody, everybody on the street, bring them in to my house. I want to I give them dinner. And then after that, he's like, hey, we still got more room. Great. Hey, go to the outskirts of town and get all the outcasts. Get everybody that all the people I invited at first would hate and bring them here. Right? And I, I want you to keep inviting people until my house is filled. And remember, every parable is about the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom. This is what Jesus is portraying. This is what heaven is like. There's people who were invited. There's the chosen people of Israel that he's looking at. The Pharisees, the Sadducees. You are the chosen ones, Anakin, right? You were supposed to bring balance to the force, right? Okay, you guys, are, are, am I that old now that we're like Star Wars not cool anymore? Okay, sheesh, just like react a little bit. You scared me. Oh, my gosh. Okay, Woo. I was like, an Anakin joke, not hitting in youth group? Oh, man, what does this come to? Um, <laughs> okay. You're like, it just wasn't a good joke. I get it. That's fine. Um, but Jesus is saying, listen, Jesus is saying, all those who were invited, especially all my chosen people, right? He's speaking to, to these type of people right now. He said, you, you don't want to show up. You don't want to believe who I am. I'm telling you, each and every story I tell, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, and you want my head. So he's saying, look, I'm just going to get everybody else then. The people you hate, the Samaritans, all the rest of the Gentiles, the broken, the battered, the hurting, the lepers, bring them in too. Everybody that you've, you've, you've outcasted is going to be there instead of you. 
So what does this say to me? It says a couple things. One, it says that I'm welcome. Because in this telling of the story, me, Brett Westerfield, <laughs> pastor of a few years, husband, trying to be the best dad I can, understand that I'm the broken, the battered, the outcast, the hurting. That, for some reason, got an invite to the, to the dinner. Right? And each and every one of you are, too. We realize that. We're all struggling with things. We're all going through stuff. And sometimes, out of our pain, we project our hurt on other people. And sometimes we do things that are wrong and we, we hurt folks. And sometimes we just, we just want to fit in so bad that we get to try and we try to make everybody like us. But, but the cool thing is that I'm here to tell you that no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter your background, like there's someone that Jesus, God, God sent Jesus through the streets to tell you, hey, would you join me at dinner tonight? Right? So you're welcome, even if you feel unworthy. Actually, especially if you feel unworthy. But here's the, here's the sobering reminder. The people who aren't invited anymore are the people who thought they were too good for the party. Or the people that just didn't take it seriously. Right, so we have, we have this is another story about, like, the first one's world. Humility. Th- these are stories about our heart. Where are we at? Do we think that we've made it? Do we think that we deserve a place into heaven? Do we think that we've been good people for this long? And so I, I, I deserve it. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to whatever. Like, I, I deserve to be there because I'm a good person, all this kind of stuff. No, what it should come to is, man, I'm a wretched sinner. And I, and I, I for some reason, don't ever get it right. But for some reason, Jesus died for me. For some reason, he loves me. For some reason, he invites me to the dinner, even when I just feel like I'm just the worst. And you know what? Because he's so good and because he's so kind and because I love him so much, I I would really love to be more like him. And so I'm not going to get into heaven because I'm more like him. I'm I'm, I'm getting into heaven, and therefore I want to be more like him. Like he's shown grace and he's shown mercy to me. And so it's the response where the person who was invited at first because they think they're all that in a bag of chips, they blow Jesus off. But the second person, the broken, the battered, the hurting, the lame, the crippled, the the leper, the outcast, they get invited to a party at this rich master's house. What does every single one of them do? They dress up. They dress up. That's a picture of transformation. I don't dress up to get into the party. I dress up because I was invited. Right? So I don't, I don't live righteous and I don't live holy to try and earn anything. I live righteous and I live holy because I've been invited to the dinner and I want to sit with Jesus. And because I know his goodness and because I know his holiness, I know that I want to be as good as I can so I could sit next to him. Not because I'm going to walk in and be like, I expect a seat in the front. But because I'm going to walk in with my best outfit on and still think maybe I should sit in the back. And then Jesus is going to be like, hey, would you sit with me? Right? See how it all ties in together? So how do we see ourselves? Are we all that? Are we way up here? Are we, or are we understanding that like, hey, and I'm not trying to break you down. This isn't, a, this, isn't, this isn't a story of like, hey, you're worthless. No, it's not. It's a story of even if you tried your very hardest, you, you wouldn't measure up. So his grace is enough. His grace is enough. 
And so what's our response to that grace? Gratitude, right? And so like I said, in, in, in Luke, it doesn't say anything about what the people's response is, but in, in Matthew, it says that everybody comes to the party, the broken, the battered, the hurting, the leopard, the outcast, everybody else. And then the master sees one in the crowd who's wearing filthy clothes and doesn't seem to be interested in the party at all. And the master calls that person out and says, hey, why didn't you prepare for my party? So then they throw him out. Now that's kind of heavy. You're like, what? Why would, why would, why would Jesus say that? Like, that, isn't that rude? <laughs> like, Jesus throwing someone out? It's not, but here's the thing that we need to understand. Let's not read the story exactly how it sounds. Let's, let, let, it's about the kingdom. So am I going to roll up to heaven appreciative of heaven? Or am I going to roll up to heaven Right? I long for heaven. I long for Jesus. I long for his presence. I long to be with him. And because of that, if I get invited to the party, it's like when, I, when Ben and I went to Ecuador last year, these people are living in bamboo shacks. They have nothing. These, this little girl and her mom are with crayons drawing on their floor because they don't have paper. So she, like it's a wood floor, bamboo floor, and, they're, and she's coloring in the lines that her mom drew for her because they don't have coloring books, right? And like, you know those old busted like plastic tables that you all used to have in your backyard that broke at some point and they got the weird thing on top and you know, those ones, that's their dinner table and they love it and they clean it off after every meal. And those people, when we, when we built them a playground or when a playground was built for them, those people showed up in a lot nicer clothes than I even have. It's not about the clothes. It's about them thinking, hey, man, you gave me your absolute best. So I'm going to show up in my absolute best. Because thank you. Right? So that, that, that's the response we have to Jesus. Jesus, you gave me everything. You died on the cross for me when I didn't deserve it. I, I did nothing to deserve that. You died on the cross for me and said that I could live a life filled with grace. So because of that, I'm going to live for you. Remember, that's the metaphor. The dressing up is just the living righteous, living holy, right? It's living set apart, like we say. That's our new motto, set apart, chasing after the one, okay? Living set apart means I don't look like the world. I don't. And so that person that rolled up into the party looking like the world, they got kicked out. (laughs) We cool? (laughs) So the moral of the story is where's your heart at? How do you think of yourself? Are you all that in a bag of chips, or are you just grateful to be here? <laughs> it's like I, I preached a message on righteousness a few weeks back, and the moral of that story was that, hey, we all sin, and we all fall short of the glory of God. And if we can, two things, if we can realize that, that none of us are better than anybody else, and the other thing is that sin is bad for us, if we can realize those two things, let's go on a journey with Jesus together, because he's going to heal all that in us, and eventually it will all be taken away in heaven. That's why we long for it. Amen? God is good, and he loves you. And he's given you an invitation to his party. How are you going to respond? Amen. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for who you are, how you love us, how you care for us. 
And God, thanks for the invitation. When we were outcast, when we were broken, battered, hurting, poor, undeserving of eating at your table, you sent your son to give us an invite. And there's only one condition. We just have to say yes. So God, help us to say yes and to be grateful for the invitation. So help us to live for you. Help us to chase after you. Help us to be set apart. Help us to be different. Help us to be in the world but not of the world. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen.